0: Hey, what's going on? This is Bill Burr from the All Things Comedy Network. I'm very excited to tell you that we are going to be releasing a stand-up special from the unbelievably talented, unbelievably hilarious, and unbelievably original Ted Alexandro. He has a new stand-up special called Senior Class of Earth. You can check it out exclusively at atcspecials.com. And follow the All Things Comedy Network for more ways to support your favorite comedians. This is huge for us. This is everything that All Things Comedy was about. We wanted to get in business with great artists and help them to maintain control and ownership of what they created. And this is our first foray into that. Once again, it's called Senior Class of Earth from the great Ted Alexandro. You can check it out at (music) atcspecials.com. It's that time again, you guys. Welcome back to another, another episode. The first week of October. Another episode of The Gentleman's Dojo. We actually have a studio audience in here today. My good buddy Farad Mohammed visiting from Chicago. He's a big fan of the show. He is here with his mom, also visiting from Chicago. And we are excited. I am here flying solo today because my cohorts are off doing other projects. Patrick... Just got back from doing a show in Utah for school. And uh, Steve Byrne, obviously, is still editing his movie called The Opening Act. But I don't care about those guys right now because it's the first week of October. I'm in a good mood. It's fall. Fall is here. Uh, We're excited. We got a little studio audience here. And uh, a guy that, I got to tell you, one of the guys when I first moved to L.A., and I remember hosting at the Hollywood Improv and I would go up to him very I- intimidated because I just knew what a fan I was of his. And I went up to him and I would say, how, what's your intro? What can I say for you? And it was always Jerry Smith from Bakersfield. That was always the, 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 the line. And I got to tell you, I have always been a fan. I, I do crowd work, but not to the degree that our guest does it. He is so great and so good uh, at anything and everything that he does. And his resume is from top to bottom. I mean, this guy's working constantly. How about a round of applause for our guest today? Joining us in the dojo he has his own podcast as well here at the All Things Comedy Network called the Harlan Highway. Our guest today, Harlan Williams, everybody. Yes.
1: Wait, no, no, it's Jerry Smith from Bakersfield. What's the matter with you? How are you, buddy?
0: First of all, thank you. I I have to tell you, I got one of the best emails ever uh, about a year ago. It was about a year ago this time because we are heading back to Phoenix, uh, the All Things Comedy Festival. The podcast festival is going to be back there later this month, and uh, we're going back there. Uh, But we were talking about this. I got an email from somebody here at the network and they said, Hey, Harland is doing a live show at the Tempe Improv and he wants to have you on as a guest. And to me, I was so excited to get this email because <laughs> I, I didn't know you all that well. I knew of you. We'd met a bunch of times, but, you know, didn't know you personally. And when I get this email yeah. saying, Harlan wants you on as his guest, I'm thinking how many mm-hmm. people canceled because obviously he doesn't know this shit. And uh, <laughs> <Hang on. laughs> obviously Don Barris couldn't do it. Chunky B was booked. Oh.
1: But that was that was the an janitor, honor for me. The janitor was, <laughs> well, I threw
0: his back out, so I didn't have him. So for me, I got to tell you, you know, because I did your podcast, not in Tempe, but I was fortunate enough to do it up at your house where you do the podcast. And I, you know, here's the thing. I, I got to tell you, I was truly just nervous and excited when i came up to your place because again being such a fan and watching you and you know uh i remember your jokes about the family fuck bucket and you know the fud ruckers <laughs> jokes and you know all that stuff and i remember saying to you i said "Do you get out and do much stand-up anymore and and you said you really don't because you're so busy doing other things it's it's what a great problem
1: to have uh, thanks man well i actually it it's it's kind of changed a bit. I do a lot of stuff locally now. Like I I find myself jumping up on stage at all the comedy clubs in Hollywood like three, four times a week. So I'm I should rephrase it. I'm not on the road as much as I used to be, but I'm still doing stand up constantly.
0: You obviously still miss it a lot cuz I I see your schedule. You're doing shows in Spokane, you have a bunch of road dates, but you told me you try to get out once or twice a month.
1: Yeah, that's, that's kind of my uh, that's my nut, as they say, down at the steam bath. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you do miss it. You miss the interaction of it. You miss just getting on stage, getting well, that immediate credit. Well, I do miss
1: credits. it because I'm always doing it, so there's nothing to miss. Like I'm still very, like I said, if I'm not on the road, I'm doing shows almost every other night in Hollywood, so I, I don't miss it all. I'm right in the mix, buddy. I'm like... You like the milk, and I'm the uh, Nestle's quick powder, broseph. All right. Well,
0: if you're going to be argumentative sure enough, here, Harlan, bro. I mean, I, I played along with your podcast. Now, if you're going to be argumentative and just sloppy with me, we'll just cut the shit off. I don't care. We'll do our, we'll do our Wang Chung concert ticket giveaway and we'll be done with this fucking show. We'll do what we need to do.
1: Uh, but hey, you, don't pull your Wikipedia <laughs> attitude on me, bro. So. <laughs> I,
0: but I will say it's so funny because when you look at your resume, I mean, I didn't realize this until we chatted when I did your podcast, but, you know, you. Did Letterman? You've done Conan. You've done Fallon, uh, uh, Craig Ferguson, James Corden, Carson Daly. When your car broke down in front of the lot, I mean, like, like what, what? Of those shows that you've done and and have been on, what what was your favorite to do?
1: Uh well, they're they were all fantastic. I love them all, but I I think the one with the most heightened sense of excitement had to be the first time I did David Letterman and, and, and the other times I did, I think I did Letterman five times. And, and each time was, uh, it was pretty enthralling because Dave was kind of the top guy, you know, and he, and I'm not talking about ratings. I just mean in terms of respect from comedians and in terms of kind of that that kind of aura of, of uh, you know, a comedic legend. Dave Dave was the guy we grew up with in college, and Dave was the, the heir apparent to Carson. So, to, so to, do, to be there with Letterman was quite ecstatic. But the other ones were just as thrilling, but Dave was probably the top tier.
0: But at the time, was there that kind of bookie war going on where if you did Letterman, you couldn't do Leno and, and you couldn't do Johnny Carter? Like what 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 was the scenario that was set up?
1: Yeah, actually, it was. And I was kind of naive to it. So I, I did Letterman. And about two weeks later, I was driving home from the airport and my cell phone rang and I picked it up and I was like, hello. And I was like. Hey, Holland, uh, it's Jay Leno here, how you doing? <laughs> and I was like, hey, Jay, what's going on? And he goes, yeah, I heard you did uh, Letterman before you did our show, you know, what's that all about? And I said, well, you know, And uh, he said, why don't you come in and we'll talk about it. And so I ended up like the next day going to his office in Burbank and almost like a like a student standing in front of the principal, he, he uh, he and I had a chat about it, and and it was a sincere chat. It was an honest chat. It was it was a little bit weird, but at that time the booking wars were going on, and and I said he he said you know why did you do Letterman before you did me? And I said I said Jay, I couldn't I couldn't tell you all that stuff goes through my management, but I said I can see you're upset about it, and it, and I said just so you know, I'm not into any of these games. I said. My job in life is to stand in front of people, have a microphone, and make them laugh. And I said, I don't care about the politics. I said, I'll do Dave's show, and God willing, if you want me to do your show, I will do it. I just want to make people laugh. And Jay was so cool about it. He goes, okay, I understand. And I ended up doing Jay Leno's show, I think, about 20 times. Oh, wow. it 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 was really weird, but it worked out well.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. It's it's you know, that's why I don't have management or want to get on any of these late night shows. I don't need the aggravation. It has nothing to do with them not wanting me. I'm just telling you that that's why I choose to pull away. <laughs> of course. Yeah, of course. yeah, yeah. That's that's just my that's I'm more of an AM radio kind of guy.
1: KNX By the 1070. Way, I talked to Fallon before I did this phone call and he wants you uh this Friday on uh, the show, <laughs> but if you're not interested, don't worry. Well, like
0: I said, I mean, I got stuff going on and I have a, an adoption event for dogs happening, so I, I I wish I could be there,
1: uh, but so. And but, Arby's has some new meat, <laughs> so you might want to get over there.
0: Yeah, but you know it's interesting because you have to look at comics today because you're a guy that really has just. Uh, kind of done the race slow and steady where you started off doing so many things and then you branched out into voiceovers, including, you know, obviously you got the, the Puppy Dog Pal show. You, you branched out to so many things and so many late night TV shows, so many movies, so many great things. When you see comics now that, you know, are getting specials and getting TV shows based on a five minute set that they do or based on the number of YouTube followers that they have, does that bother you or do, you don't give a shit?
1: Uh, yeah it bothers me for the sake of the art form you know i i always think in any any specialized you know talent whether it's the olympics whether you're good at sports or you're good as an actor or you're good as a comedian i just always like to see the cream rise to the top and and i always think that the cream will rise to the top if it's it's given the time and the room to do it but when people kind of get pushed to the top, and it's based on the amount of Twitter followers they have, or it's based on uh, there's so many things nowadays. There's ethnicity, there's gender, there's sexual orientation. There's it seems like there's a lot of factors that don't involve comedy all the time. You know right. what I mean? It it's almost seems like what's the hook? You know, and it's and I don't care what your gender, race, or ethnicity or sexual preference is, as long as you're Really funny, then then you're worthy of a, a special, you know. But sometimes it feels like the uh, the uh, catalyst for giving people's uh, specials is a little bit mysterious, you know. I don't I don't really understand it sometimes. But
0: I mean, do you think that that will go away? Do you think it'll go back to where it was, or do you think, based on the age we're in now, where it's all about social media, where it's all about your presence online? Do you think that it's always going to be that way now.
1: Yeah, I do. I think it's all it's all going to be about the the, the flurry because things move so fast now. When, you know, years of the last decades that have gone by, you could percolate a career, and it's it was like slowly climbing up the side of Mount Everest, and you make it to the top. But now it's just it's kind of like whoever can rush past the other guy and. And even the guy falling down Mount Everest is interesting now. It's like, hey, let's get the guy that's tumbling down. He's let's give him some time, you know. It's like, and then they're forgotten. You know, everything's forgotten so quickly these days. You know, so it, it's like it's it's just a flurry. And so, I, I think the people that are getting specials today are going to be forgotten just as quickly. For the next crop that come up in in you know twelve or fifteen months.
0: Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I see guys uh, guys and girls doing late night spots, and you can tell that they barely have the five minutes to get through that spot. And then when the host promotes, you can see them this weekend at Acme or House of Comedy. You're like what, doing a guest set. Like I don't understand what they could possibly be doing when you know you know this from when you did late night spots years ago when you got those spots, you were ready to go out on the road and do feature and headlining spots. But the time has certainly changed in that in that respect.
1: Well, in the old days you didn't get on Letterman and Carson and all the talk shows unless you were a triple A AAA headliner. Like it was very rare you you saw a comic get onto those those national platforms unless they were top of the line seasoned comedians. You know what I mean? But Nowadays, you 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 don't have to be at that stature. You can be a guy that's on on you know New Talent Night and and get up there. So it's uh, it's an interesting time, but it's all about consumption now. Everything, it's like uh, it's like fast food. Everything's flying out of a fast food drive-through. You know, and it's like okay, tasted that. What do you got next? Let's... Uh, We had uh, lunch at Jack in the Box. Let's go over to In and Out Burger. Now let's go over to Chick fil A. Now let's go over to Burger King. Like, it's just, there's too much. It's just everywhere.
0: Let's let let us break some some ground here. G- give us some comics that you think are hot garbage. Like, who do you think that you know they have a they have a special out? You're like, this is just garbage. Let, let's throw out some names and, and we'll, yeah, we'll bleep them. Don't even my dad. My dad is horrible.
1: Fabio's Fabio's. I like the first five minutes, but then like the whole like last forty minutes was all like I can't believe it's not butter material. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so you, at that sucks. point, you
0: know, yeah. I get it, but hey, uh, listen, Vic. it gets followers, it gets followers, right? I understand. but Yeah, yeah. Despite this amazing resume of everything you've done, when did you know that you were a comic, that you could put aside working a full-time day job that you you really could put the creative before anything else and make money doing what you were doing? When, you know, you talked to other comics, it was when they, you know, started working regularly at the comedy store for Brian Regan. It was when he got passed at his home club in Miami. Like, that was when he knew. What was it for you?
1: For me, uh, I always knew from when I was a little boy that that something was going to happen. I, I knew I was going to be in the entertainment industry i didn't i didn't know at what capacity i didn't know i'd be a stand-up comedian but i from the time i was very young maybe you know 12 or 13 i I had this for lack of a better word it was this burning kind of spiritual force inside me that that was a voice that just said you're gonna do this and i remember when i was in high school i used to play hooky and i'd go downtown by myself And I'd go to the afternoon matinees and I'd sit in, you know, almost a half empty theater and I'd watch movies and I'd just sit there and I'd say to myself, I'm going to be up on that screen one day. And I had no idea how I wasn't an actor. I just it was just this inner voice that always told me I was going to do it. And when I was in college, I told all my buddies, I said, guys, I'm going to be on Letterman one day. And they go, what are you talking about? I said, I don't know. I just, I'm just telling you, I know I'm going to be on Letterman one day. And they, they they thought I was a freak. And I said to them, well, to prove it to you, when I do it, the first time I do Letterman, I'm going to put peanut butter all over my shoes. And, and 10 years later there I was on Letterman and I actually had peanut butter. I'd put peanut butter all over the top of my shoes before I went out on stage Wow! and all my, all my college buddies called me and got, went, Oh my God, you did it. How did you know? Like, and I just, it was just a voice. I just knew.
0: So there was something in your gut that just told you that. I mean, because I think all comics, if you talk to them, they kind of had this gut reaction early on in life that, you know, they felt that they were different in some way or more creative in some way. But you just kind of knew early on when you were watching movies, you're like, hey, I think, you know, the goal for me is to be up on that screen.
1: It wasn't a goal. It's just, it's just, I, I it was just an inner, It's almost like it was wired into my DNA. And I'm not trying to sound cocky or pretentious. It's just, it was just there as 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 much as I'd walk out and see the sun every morning. I I just knew, and in a way, it was a blessing because when I moved to Hollywood, I was never in panic mode. I was never worried. I was never scared. I wasn't going to make it because I had this inner voice saying, "Don't worry, you you're, you're going to be on Letterman soon. You're going to be doing movies soon. You're going to have your own sitcom soon." and all the stuff that I had envisioned and, and and felt inside, it all happened, and it's still happening.
0: And and when you move out to L.A., did you know people out here, or did you come out here as just a single lost
2: no, soul? I
1: knew two people. I had one of my best friends from college was out here working because I studied animation, and he was working for Disney out here and then i had a manager that i met when i was up in canada and he sponsored me to move down here so he in order for me to be here legally he had to sponsor me and and kind of uh, vouch for me and so and so those were the only two people i knew and then i just this stuff started happening from the the first day I went on stage in Hollywood, I got offered two TV shows. It was my very first time on stage, and Are you serious? when I walked off, like I got offered two TV spots, and I went, "Here's the voice. Here we go." You know, and it just just kept going from there, man.
0: And, and what was the voice, Harlan? The voice that you know, because I'm sure it's changed over the. But what was the voice that you know that connected you to get those two shows?
1: It was just the, the the same voice that I felt when I was a little boy. It wow. was just part of the whole it wasn't like the voice that now someone's gonna walk up to you and it was just part of the overall vision, you know. It was a spiritual voice, it was probably God, it was probably uh just the forces of the universe, it was it was my spirit mixed in, it was just I don't know where it came from, but it was there, you know.
0: When you get off stage and and two shows are being offered to you, and I'm sure there's a lot of other people that were there and had been hanging out there, and here you come in, and they're like, what the hell is going on here? This guy swoops in from Canada, and he's offered two goddamn shows, <laughs> one of one of which didn't count because it was Comics Unleashed. But uh, if – I mean, do you, do you feel like some resentment from some of these other comics who've been hanging out there busting their balls, and you kind of swoop in?
1: Uh, I I was just naive to it, you know. It it was almost like the late night war stuff because I I always felt like my path had already been carved by destiny, and so so any resentment or negativity just didn't faze me because I just it was almost like like a boat heading towards the sun and 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 there's choppy waves on each side, but but it was just like smooth sailing in between, so. But once things started happening for me, I, I, I did notice, you know, there were certain people whose attitude changed and, and I could sense a little bit of maybe bitterness or jealousy, but but I just keep on moving past that stuff. You know, you should never never regret, you know, getting to a good place and doing something that you like and doing something you're good at, you know?
0: What were the two shows you were offered that night?
1: I was offered a show called Comedy on the Road, which was a, like an A&E, um, like A and E kind of like you know one of those stand up cable shows like Evening at the Improv, and you know they, it wasn't that big of a show, but still it was a national audience on a national network, and I was you know I, from going from nothing to that blew my mind, and then there was another show that was on on network television on Fox. It was called. It was it was on on Saturday nights on Fox TV and it was uh, hosted by Wayne Cotter and it was another stand up show but it was a network show. Okay. And so they asked me to and uh, and it was just it just blew my mind. I was like, wow, here here we go. And then you know a few months later I was I was doing a show and and Bob Odenkirk from uh, my name is Sal. You know you know Bob. Yeah. And Bob Bob walked up to me after a set and he go, he was a writer at Conan at the time. He goes, Hey, do you want to do Conan O'Brien? And I was like, Yeah, okay. And and then I went and did Conan O'Brien. It was just like it was just pretty pretty wild, you know.
0: Was that when Conan was in <laughs> New York, obviously? Yeah, it must have been.
1: Yeah, that was in New York. Yeah, I I did Conan in New York many times. Yeah, probably more times in New York than I did it out, out in LA or uh, maybe not. I did, I did Conan when he was the host of The Tonight Show, too. It's kind of cool. I've, I've, I've got uh, three Tonight Show credits to my name. I did it with Jay, I wow. did it with Conan, and I, I just was on for the second time with Jimmy Fallon about, uh, I think about two months ago.
0: Wow, that's pretty cool. That's a, that's a very cool trifecta. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, that's funny, yeah.
0: As soon as I figure out who's taking over for Carson Daly, I'm going for the uh, the double. Because, yeah, I I can't, you know, uh, whoever hosts the next last call. Um, So did you, at least the good news was, you know, when we talk about the people who jump in too quick and, you know, they do a, a YouTube show and then, you know, they're obviously on the road very quickly. You were ready. I mean, when you moved down from Canada and you were on stage, you were ready.
1: Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I did that by design. I I didn't want to uh, come down until I was ready. So when I first left college, I came down to Hollywood before I had ever done stand up. And that was another thing the voice told me to do. I said, I better go to Hollywood and look at it because I'm going to live there one day. And so I came down to Hollywood for two days and I went and stood in front of the Mans Chinese Theater. And I still remember I kind of talked to myself. I said, "I'll be back. I'll see you soon." And and then I went home and for 10 years I worked on my act. I worked on on my stand-up and and then uh and then I moved back down and and it all all the stuff that I thought was going to happen happened.
0: And and from there, what was the next big move like what what was your first big movie break?
1: Uh, my first big movie break was Dumb and Dumber. That was my first movie. So um, uh, that it's- was the first one. And then came uh, a Down Periscope. Yep. And then came uh, Rocket Man. And then came uh, Something About Mary and Jeez. Superstar and Half Baked and sorority boys and my life in ruins and on and on and on so
0: (laughs) and and during this whole time are you still doing voiceover stuff I mean like because obviously you're so good at that and there's so many things that you've done voiceover wise but you know during this whole movie tv stand-up are you still doing voiceover stuff
1: uh yeah the voiceover stuff probably happened about midway through and uh and that was another weird one it's like i didn't realize the voiceover world was so cliquey. i've realized now that just like just like the movie world and the stand-up world and and the tv world there's 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 these core group of performers who are kind of the elite you know like like the guys that do the voices on adventure time and the guys that do the voices of of spongebob tom kinney and people like that I, there's a whole like elite group of these people and, and so again I was I was just minding my own business and this place called and asked me if I wanted to do the, the lead voice on this show called Ned's Newt. And uh, and this the cartoon was about a little newt that basically uh, was like the genie from, from Aladdin. He he like Robin Williams, he every every line was a new character, a new voice. One line I'd be doing you know, Alfred Hitchcock, the next line I'd be doing Seinfeld's voice, the next line I'd be doing a girl. And so I I did like three seasons of this show and all of a sudden now I was in the mix with the voiceover world and that, that hasn't stopped. I've been like doing voiceover work ever since. So I just, just kind of went right into it somehow. <laughs> I'm listening to me talk, I'm sounding like it's it's real easy, and I've been very lucky. But it, I don't don't blame me. It's this voice inside me, man. <laughs> it's
0: I, I didn't realize, but the, the world of voiceover, it's clicky. It's a little like uh, almost. Oh yeah, yeah.
1: I, I see the same group of people almost. You know, I bet it. I would say I bet it's about seventy, eighty percent of the same people doing all the cartoons. Wow. Like, it's pretty... There's a... And they're very talented, but but they're always the ones I see, you know?
0: Yeah, again, that's... they're
1: always the ones they go to, you know? uh,
0: Of all the things that you do actively, whether it's stand-up, television appearances, movies, voiceover, what do you find the most challenging, and then what do you find the most exciting to do?
1: Um... The most challenging is probably you know, it, it, it just depends because if, if you're doing a movie and I've had scenes where I've had a monologue that's a page and a half long and I'm not great at memorizing lines. So you want to talk about, you know, the cameras rolling, will you make a three minute speech and you've got to act and remember all your lines? That, that's hard. if, if um, but then again, you go out on stage doing standup. That's really terrifying too, because you're just walking on a tightrope. So it's all scary. But I always say that, you know, the scariest things that you do in your life are the ones that you remember the most, and they're probably the most exciting. And that's why you remember them. I remember when I first went snorkeling and, a uh, you know, a, a nine foot shark approached me, I've, uh, that, burned in my memory. It was the scariest thing I'd ever have happen to me, but it was the most exciting thing all at the same time. And I think, I think that's what the entertainment business can be like on a good day. Well, I think it's,
0: it's so funny you say that Harlan, because a couple of months ago we had on a gentleman named Mark Cashman and Mark teaches voiceover classes. And I think so many people think, well, Hey, I, I talk, I, you know, say stuff out loud. I can easily go in and dub a movie and this, that, and the other thing. And I think, you know, it requires, even with warm up, I see this all the time. Like, you know, people see me doing warm up on Conan or these other shows. They're like, oh, I could do that. I mean, I'm a comic as well, but they don't realize, like, how much work goes into getting that prized gig at the end of the day. I mean, I've done so many shitty gigs. Leading up to a great gig like Conan, where you know it's a twelve-hour day, they have thirteen dollars in the budget, they're yelling at you all day. No, nobody wants to do those shows. It's and I'm sure it's the same with other gigs. You know, nobody wants to do the low end, the low hanging fruit gigs. They all want to do those gigs that pay a hundred grand and give you a Lexus and all that shit. So it, it's interesting. It's interesting for me because I know that you have paid your dues. And and so I'm, I'm assuming that people will, hey, I I don't know how many people approach you, but I could do that too. I mean, it's like, but as somebody who is as talented as you are, it's probably insulting when people come up and, well, oh, you know, I, I remember seeing this when I would do audience shows. Every audience show would have paid audience members and, you know, the paid audience members would be like, I want to do your job. And it's like, well, they figure they got to be there for the three hours. Why not make more money instead of sitting there reading a book for the three hours? And it's like, well, it's not that easy.
1: Right. Well, the the thing is I just never know, you know. It's like if if if, you know, you never know if someone can walk up and just has a talent or a gift for it, but it you're right. It it it, it it's, it's, it's like any um discipline, you know, it may look easy when you watch the professionals do it, but then when when you have to put yourself in the driver's seat like how hard is it to drive a car around a racetrack, right? But then you get in it and there's 40 other race car drivers besides you going 200 miles an hour. You suddenly realize, man, this, this isn't easy. So, but I don't get mad about it. I just go, hey, jump up, jump in and see what happens, you know? And maybe you're good at it, maybe you're not. You know, that's the beauty of life.
0: I know that I asked you this when I was a guest on your show, which is, again, here on the All Things Comedy Network, the Harland Highway. I asked you this question. With everything that you've done, I mean, everything that you've done, I mean, you ask any comic, they would take an eighth of your resume and just be over the moon about it. What is one thing that you haven't done that you'd want to do?
1: Um... Well, you know, this will sound really weird, but the voice and, and I, I still don't know the answer to it yet. And I don't know if it'll happen, but the voice told me that one day I was going to win an, an Oscar, believe it or not. Like, can you believe it? And, and I, I, at this point in my life, as I'm getting older, I, I don't know. I don't see how, you know what I mean? But I haven't lost faith in that voice that has taken me to everything else that it told me it was going to take me to. And it's very bizarre because I, I, am older now and, and, you know, uh, I, I think, well, am I going to get an Oscar for writing a script? Am I going to get an Oscar for, you know, creating a script? I, I don't know. And, 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 and so it's not that I, I want to do it. It's just in my brain, I'm wondering like, huh, where, where, where's the voice going with this one? And as is it going to happen? And it's kind of funny because it's, it's shooting high but I say to everybody always shoot high you know shoot shoot beyond high because you know you got to be in it to win it what
0: what do you think is your most recognizable role do people know you obviously from Dumb and Dumber I mean there's a million things but what people come up to you and say hey I know you from this
1: you know, I've been really blessed to be in a lot of really significant pop culture movies from half baked to something about married a rocket man to, uh, it seems like about 80% of the movies I did really resonated with people and, and kind of stuck in, in, into the pop culture of our, of our world, you know? And so I get people coming up from almost all my movies and throwing lines at me. There's, there's not one that sticks out. they're all kind of right in the same in the same slipstream
0: yeah, it is amazing because right, something about Mary that was such a an iconic role uh do you, do you still remember the audition for that movie
1: yeah, it was amazing i was in a i was in my, in a trailer doing a, a uh another movie and I got a phone call from my agent and they, he said, the Fairleys want you in something about Mary. And I said, okay, I'll do it. Great audition. Done. So I didn't even have to audition for that.
0: That's so great. And you just... By the way, I, I, I'm so glad we booked you for the show because uh, getting off of this call will make me feel like an absolute loser. <laughs> oh, God. As I head back no, to my studio no. I mean, apartment. I'm just,
1: I'm just telling you the truth. It's my journey. It's weird. But.
0: As I head back to my studio apartment with no tour dates lined up until 2020, 2025.
1: Oh, no. Well, we can still go to Arby's together, can't
0: we? <laughs> By the way, I will tell you this: we we they have got the meats, bro. <laughs> <laughs> we have uh, one of our uh, biggest fans of this show, who's been so loyal to us over the years. His name is Farad and He came to a taping of Conan last night with his mom, and he's in town visiting. And he's in the studio. And I thought it would be apropos. If he got to ask uh, one of his idols, as yourself, a question. Is your mic on? Uh, Oh, now you're on. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, So, Harlan, this is Farad, uh, one of our biggest fans.
2: Hello, hello. How you doing there? Um, (laughs) So, um, uh, now is your name
1: Farad? As in you're not real? No, uh, yeah. I
2: I get that a lot. Thank you. It's it's even worse. It's actually Gary
1: gave me that before the show. Um, uh, Exactly. You um, want to go to Arby's with us, <laughs>
2: Absolutely. I mean, they, as you said before, they do have the meat, so um, get a.
1: Um, they got uh, the meat. Yes.
0: Get a fuck bucket. Jerry <laughs> like to do this thing.
1: We take the meats out of the bun and stuff it in our pants while it's still warm. Nice. What is the What is a the onion bun. ring
0: joke that you had? You ever get a boner and see how many onion rings you could stack on your dick? Jerry, oh, <laughs> Jerry, that's, that's my mom. Oh, loves my that God. joke.
1: Not in front
0: of Barat, Gary. My mom loves that joke every time we go. Gary, but a big boy not in front of Farah. <laughs> I told you
1: never in front of Farah, Gary. Well,
0: <laughs> don't be intimidated, Ferraugh.
2: Well, I mean, I, I just one of my probably one of my favorite memories of you is um, was actually a uh, was actually a stand-up showcase you did with All Things Comedy. You noticed my laugh in the audience uh, during that time and you just said, "Anything this guy anything I say will just make this guy laugh." You just yelled beef stroganoff off right at me and I laughed anyway and then uh <laughs> It was just that was just absolutely hilarious there but um yeah, so um. It, it yeah. looks so, like
1: I have the meat.
2: <laughs> um. So you did. So you did um, the uh, the Conan O'Brien shows in New York, the Tonight Show, as well as the one in TBS. Uh, in, in terms of like the uh, in terms of like the atmosphere between the, those three versions of Conan's show, which one did you think was either the most memorable or uh, had the or was like the um, more was probably the more positive of the three? I guess I'm not too sure how to phrase that there, but. Uh. <laughs>
1: Well, they're all great because I love Conan, and oh, yeah. we have such a great time together. But the, you know, the the truth is that you know, there was a time when there was only three three or four networks, oh, yeah. and and to get on the shows with the networks was a big deal. Like it, you know, back in the eighties and the nineties, if you got on one of the talk shows back then, it was like a real big deal because there was so few slots and. Like I said earlier to Gary, they really only took the cream of the crop, and so to be asked to be on those shows really made you feel like you know wow i've arrived you know they they really think highly of me and 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 it was such an honor and it was so such an honor to be asked It was like being like called up from the major from the minor leagues to the major leagues just for a night you know to be the designated hitter right so <laughs> so as much as i love the show across the board whether it's tbs or mbc there there was a a heightened sense of of excitement going to new york and knowing you're on network television and that those were exclusive time slots and that you were you were playing back then to a much wider audience just because there wasn't so much competition in the tv world so you You'd literally be playing to millions of people versus hundreds of thousands. Mm-hmm. And and just the fact that networks were the superpowers of the television world and that they had been for, you know, kind of since the conception of television. So, you not only felt like you were going, you know, to a, a, a talk show that was a superpower, but you were going to a network, an entity that was an established superpower. And so there's... It was just a lot of excitement and and buzz in the air when you did it and 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 uh, so I'd have to say that that the uh, the the NBC times even though the TBS are just as fun and just as great NBC was had a heightened sense to it. I can imagine if that, that makes sense.
2: Yeah, that makes absolute sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, one follow one, one other question I have here um, I, that's
0: enough <laughs> it's a very busy Gary. man
2: it's a very Gary, busy man
0: I told you never to cut him off Gary <laughs> this guy, Gary what?
1: Gary please what? Gary sorry um. please <laughs> I, <laughs> That's my voice talking. It's not me. That's I that I inner voice. I told you I get about. it. I get it.
2: Well, I, I mean, I, I mean that that. that that does lead to my second question. I too believe I have that sort of inner voice. I've been wanting to be in broadcasting or television or entertainment ever since I was four years Don't
1: old. Don't say want to be. Say uh, you will, be. will Re- be. rephrase it. There you go. I will
2: be in entertainment, and I've been
1: That-ta
2: willing boy. myself in entertainment. That a boy. There now you're ta-
1: now you're gonna get there.
2: Well, I mean, do you have any other... Always
1: remember that. Uh, Always keep telling yourself that. I will be. Don't say I want to be. I will be. From this day forward, tell yourself you will be. That's important. You understand? Absolutely. Absolutely. Good man.
2: Um, but so, yeah, but my major question then was for somebody who is planning to go to Los Angeles within the next couple of years, do you have any recommendations on what I uh, should or should not do in terms of, or anybody else that would be or, or any sort of advice for people that are that are think that are w- willing themselves to go to Los Angeles uh, in order to in order to get into entertainment?
1: Be ready, work hard, have a plan, hmm. take a lot of risks, be a good person, don't dick anyone over. Treat them the way you'd want to be treated, even if it means saying no to something. The end of the day, you always got to look at yourself in the mirror and know that you are a good person and that you did things that didn't hurt anybody else. And you will get there, buddy. Just believe, believe, believe in yourself and don't stop.
0: Well, th- this goes against everything that made you successful.
1: <laughs> be,
0: be, be nice, be nice, please, Jeez. 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 I've talked to your openers, my friend. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, haul my merchandise to the gig, Craig Shoemaker. Listen, guys, <laughs> come to my house,
2: pick up my please. DVDs.
0: <laughs> by the way, by the way, one of the most miserable guys uh, in person. Uh, Listen, by the way, uh, please tell us about your new show, Puppy Dog Pals.
1: Well, here's the good news. It's not so new anymore. So Puppy Dog Pals is a Disney Junior animated show that I created. Yes. And, uh, And the first season just ended and God willing, they ordered a second season and it premieres on October 12th on Disney Junior. It's a show about two little puppy dogs called Bingo and Rolly, and they go on all kinds of adventures. And speaking of voice work, I play their owner, Bob, and I do the voice of Bob. And then on top of that, with our second season premiering on October 12th, they just announced about three weeks ago they've ordered a season three. So this thing is just going and going, and people love it. So check out Puppy Dog Pals on Disney Junior.
0: Uh, by the way I as we were, chatting with you because you're calling in I can hear your phone constantly going off and I'm sure that those are with other gigs that you haven't auditioned for so no. I'm just assuming that you know you got eight no, buzzes that's not me that wasn't my phone oh it was it? oh now no. I feel bad I for saying I haven't it haven't had one call since we've been talking well we've only been on the phone you're for a few minutes
1: <laughs> and by Gary, the way have you have been huffing I can't believe it's not butter in the back room again Gary All right, listen Gary I, I will hold true to this Gary, story.
0: Please, Gary, please. But you Gary, shut me. up. Gary, shut up. Please, shut up. <laughs> by the way, I am being completely honest when I say, by the way, why weren't you this entertaining when I did your podcast? Listen, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. We have double the listeners you do. We have four. Listen, okay, it's all good. But I wanted to tell you Gary. <laughs> it's the Harland Highway on the All Things Comedy Network. But I will tell you, Just to reiterate this again, I was so touched when they reached out to me and they said, Harlan wants you on his podcast. And I couldn't come, but I was so excited. And then when I got to do your podcast, when we got back to LA, that was even better. We got to spend some time together. Uh, I will tell you something about Harlan's podcast. Uh, not one glass of water offered to you. Uh, not one piece of fruit sitting there.
1: Gary? I'm salivating like a motherfucker.
0: And this guy, nothing, nothing. He's got a private studio but I can't like even... My,
1: I like my guests to squirm, yeah. Gary. The drier the mouth the yeah. more they
0: crackle into the mic. Not one goddamn bottle of water. Yeah, I, we have water here. It may be Aquafina or just the Sparklets but we have it here. I swear to God you go there, nothing. Absolutely nothing.
1: It I had a good funny, time. I, because halfway through my interview with you, I could hear your saliva glands yeah. start fucking crackling and floating. It was crazy.
0: That was me, very thirsty, salivating.
1: <laughs> but anyways, listen, yes. buddy. I don't want this, you know, I feel weird that this whole this show has been talking about me, and I want people to know that, you know, Gary mentioned it off the top of the show. I do do a lot of crowd work, and because I do do a lot of crowd work, I can recognize when someone else is really amazing at crowd work and you guys already know this but and i've told gary this but gary is spectacular at his crowd work and there's it's no wonder why he's the top guy for the warm-up stuff and working with crowds and and i saw gary recently do the do the opening and warm-up for orny adams latest comedy special and he just blew the whole theater to blew the roof off so Gary's uh Gary's a force to be reckoned with in his own right right Gary that
0: means a lot to me honestly coming from you and and this, uh, I didn't realize sure, you were buddy. at Orney's special until later and uh you know listen aside from the editors having to put a laugh track in that special i thought it was great <laughs> i mean
2: you know Orney is a very
0: a very easygoing <laughs> gentleman as we know uh, not neurotic at all. So it was very fun to work with him. I, I, I remember <laughs> – oh, you know what's so yeah. funny about that? I remember because you guys are good buddies. I'll never forget this because Orny and I became close after that special. I got to work with him, and then we became close. And I'll never forget he, he absolutely destroyed more than I've ever seen a comic destroy a first show. Just destroyed. He had an hour of material. It literally was like an hour and a half that he filmed. And I will never forget. One of the producers came up to me in between shows, and they said, "Hey, listen, we loved it, but the audience was a little too clappy, and we need more laughs. So, if there's a way before the second show, you can tell the audience that—that that would be awesome." And I went up to or- and I went up to Orny. I was like you got to be shitting me. Like I can never tell an audience all these rules now to follow because you guys want more. Like we had a great first show that I've never seen out of as many of these warm ups for comics that I've done. And the fact that you're asking right. me now to do something completely different and get the audience to start thinking in a different way is absurd. And I remember just telling the producer, just having done this so many times, like I'm absolutely not making that announcement. I'm just not. And Ornie was so happy yeah, that yeah. that I did that. But were you at the first show? You came to the first one?
1: Yes, I was at the first one, and yep. you—you remember—he
0: yep. absolutely destroyed beyond belief. I mean, it was something that I've never seen. Yeah, I've seen people do well, but usually it's by the second jokes they get get their rhythm going. But uh, he—it was undeniable how good it was, and uh, yeah. After that, we became great friends, and and I love Orny, and that's so funny that we I, that I saw you there and uh, got a chance to catch up.
1: Oh yeah, Orny's Orney's one of the best. If your listeners haven't checked out Orney oh or seen seen him, he's he's one of the top guys in the country, man. He's awesome.
0: Well, okay. Listen, uh one of the top three thousand out there. Gary! <laughs> We love Orny. We also love Harlan Williams. I wanted to tell you also, you can check out Harlan's podcast, The Harlan Highway, right here on the All Things Comedy Network and, 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 and Spokane Comedy Club in October in a couple of weeks, correct? Yeah, that's
1: right, buddy. Tacoma Comedy Club
0: right after that in November and the Irvine Improv November the 15th through the 18th. I got to tell you, I am so excited. I know that you're busy. I know that you have so much going on. But the fact that you took time and you called our show meant the world to me. And I appreciate not only your comedic genius, your comedic ability, but I appreciate your friendship, Harlan Williams.
1: Aww. Well, buddy, thank you. And if you don't mind, could I just make one last plug before Please. we the We, we pull would love it. Board. Yes, my, my new stand-up comedy special has just come out. It's uh, exclusively on Amazon Prime, and it's Sweet. called Caramel Corn the Pug, Kick 'Em in the Kibble. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to worry and, uh, about anybody uh,
0: taking that title.
1: I love it. <laughs> yeah, so it's. It's uh, it's the first stand-up co- uh, comedy special ever done by a dog. I actually found this yes. incredible mask of a pug and I wore it for the whole set in front of 600 people and <laughs> you're actually going to be watching a 6 foot 2 Pog do an hour of stand-up in front of a live audience. So check it out. (laughs) Caramel Corn the Pog. Kick in the kibble. Amazon Prime.
0: And where'd you film that at? Where was the the special film? We filmed
1: that at the Irvine Improv. Wow. That's
0: right. That's right. What a great place to film that at. Absolutely beautiful. And you will be back there uh, in November, November the 15th through the 18th for all tour date information, everything that Harlan has going on. Go to harlanwilliams.com and listen to his podcast here on the All Things Comedy Network. That I was fortunate enough to listen to and be part of uh it's called the harlan yeah. highway harlan williams thank you for joining us yeah.
1: today thank you buddy i'm sending you a carton of water God bless you. <laughs> love <laughs> you harlan gary, gary! <laughs> love you harlan
0: how about another big round of applause for harlan williams yeah. absolutely love that guy So excited. Uh, Before we get into uh, some of the specifics of what everybody's got going on, because I'm obviously here solo, and... Me, Patrick, and Steve are going to reconvene later this month in Phoenix for the All Things Comedy Podcast Festival, which I was a part of last year, which is absolutely amazing. Uh, the only person I think that doesn't enjoy it as much as all the comics and the podcasters is our producer Aaron, who uh, is driven up a goddamn wall because he's working his ass off, making sure every podcast is up and running. And although Aaron, who is back in the studio, you you are saying that it might be a little more efficient this year, with where we do it, because last year it was a very crazy, busy time for you.
2: Yeah, I think we're just we're not going to do as much. <laughs> I did thirty hours in three days.
0: Yeah, I mean it's absolutely crazy. I mean, listen for the comics, it's a blast. It's a great party. Yeah, it
2: was it was it, super fun, but man, just a ton of work.
0: It's really a lot of fun, but it's it's really just craziness going on. <laughs> just absolute craziness. But it's it's a great festival. And uh, if you've never been to Phoenix, uh, where the two main host parties are, uh, we do shows at the Tempe Improv. We do shows at Stand Up Live. Uh, there's so many people from this network that will be down there. Bill Burr's doing a show at Comerica, right? Comerica Theater? Yeah. He's doing a big show. Guy, guy just sold out the forum here in L.A. So Bill and Al are, are – uh, Founders of this network, uh, they'll be down there. Brad Williams, Adam Ray. So many people are doing uh, private shows. Uh, not private shows, but shows that are at Stand Up Live, Tempe Improv. Uh, and the good news is uh, I will be down there with Steve Byrne, with Patrick Keene, uh, the two other co-hosts of The Gentleman's Dojo. We'll be doing a live dojo show down there at one day. We don't know what day that is quite yet, but we will be down there. Uh, the dates are October the 25th through October the 28th. AllThingsComedy.com has all that information, including where everybody will be. But I wanted to make note that um, Steve will be screening his movie, his documentary that he finished. Uh, It's called Always Amazing, about the amazing Jonathan. He screened it here a couple of weeks ago here in L.A., but he will be down there on that Saturday, which is the 27th, Aaron? Yes. Yeah. So on the 27th, Steve will be screening his movie, uh, Always Amazing, about the amazing Jonathan. And Jonathan will be there as well, which is going to be even better. And I just saw the updated version of this movie a couple of weeks ago. And Fraud, you and I saw this.
2: Yeah, I saw an early uh, an early draft of it last year, and it, yeah. was, it was very nice. Yeah. It's
0: amazing. I will say this though, I, I just saw the newest version of it uh, a couple of days ago. It even better I mean with the interstitials and the music mm-hmm. uh, so we will all be down there for the All Things Comedy Podcast Festival Bert Kreischer will be down there I mean just anybody and everybody that's attached to this network it's so much fun except for Aaron <laughs> he, he's constantly working <laughs> it, was, but
2: it was still a blast it was it's just, still a blast it's it was a, a whirlwind
0: yeah it's a great it's a great time but it's October the 25th through the 28th down in Phoenix Arizona there's two host clubs the Tempe Improv Stand Up Live Steve will be screening his movie Always Amazing with the Amazing Jonathan on that Saturday, October the twenty seventh at two p.m. But you can go and grab all that information at uh, All Things Comedy. But what I wanted to mention is this because I'm going to be on the road. I have a bunch of road dates coming up. I'm heading to uh, Lake Tahoe coming up in a couple of weeks. It's going to be um, October seventeenth uh, through the twenty first. And the beauty of a show like like ours is we are fortunate enough to have great authors that call into our show, which I always love. But the problem is, uh, especially with us and timing and all this other stuff, you don't have a lot of time to sit and read a book and sit down and, you know, read something that the author's going to call in and want to chat about. Uh, in fact, we have coming up in a couple of weeks, which is very, very exciting, Matthew Polly, who wrote this amazing book about Bruce Lee, a documentary about Bruce Lee. And he wrote an autobiography about Bruce Lee. And they sent us a copy of the book. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, I just don't have time to do it. So I'm going to be driving up to Lake Tahoe. And this is what I love about Audible, uh, which th- they have always been so good to us. But, you know, the thing is, what would it look like, obviously, if we listened a little bit more and listening to audiobooks, especially for me, uh, motivates us, inspires us, even brings us closer together. And there's no better place, uh, especially for me, traveling as much as I do and being on the road and not having time to actually pick up a physical book. Uh, But there's no better place to listen than Audible because now Audible gives members uh, a little bit more. Um, Exclusive audio fitness programs, audiobooks, Audible Originals, and more. Uh, Audible, which is so cool, has the largest selection of audiobooks on the planet. And now with Audible Originals, uh, this was so cool. I actually read or listened to uh, this book. To Adam, Wea- had uh, Aaron, we had on Adam Kate, and Holland uh-huh. a few weeks ago, and yep. he talked about his book *Tragedy Plus Time*, mm. which was a uh, a book that I was fortunate enough to listen to through Audible, which was absolutely amazing. And he was a great guest. Um, but the beauty of Audible is every month, Audible members get one credit, good for any audio book they choose, uh, plus two Audible. Uh, originals uh, from a changing selection that they can, that they can't get anywhere else. Uh, they also can get access to audio fitness and health workouts created exclusively for audible. I'm not doing the health fitness stuff. Obviously <laughs> that would be completely wrong. Uh, plus your, anybody who knows me knows that that's not happening. Uh, <laughs> plus your books are yours to keep with audible. You can go back and listen and re listen anytime, every time, whenever you want. Uh, even if you cancel your membership which is what I love I mean you do like Spotify once your membership gets canceled you can't go back and listen to what you have saved right. uh, didn't like your audiobook exchange it no questions asked which is absolutely a cool thing to do start a 30 day trial and your first audiobook is free absolutely free go to audible.com/canon my last name C A N N O N that's audible.com/canon Or you can text the word CANON, C-A-N-N-O-N, to 500500. You can do it with audiobooks. books. Uh, I got to tell you, it's changed my life. Obviously, traveling as much as I do and being on the road, not having time to physically sit down and read a hardcover book, but being on the road or a plane for five, six, seven hours, this has just changed the way I do things, especially with the show and having so many great guests on that we don't get a chance to prep for the show unless we have the book. Um, but this has just been a game changer for us and for The Gentleman's Dojo. So with that said, you guys just remember this. We are, this is the best, a free 30 day trial. How do you beat this? And your first audiobook is free. Go to audible.com slash canon, C A N N O N, or text canon, C A N N O N, to 500 Fraud, have you ever used Audible.com?
2: Yes, actually. I've, uh, you have? I've, yeah, I've gotten a few books from them, uh, mainly to listen on flights and all that there, but yeah. It's the best, right? It's, it's absolutely the best, yeah. It's the way to go. It's it's changing the way we do things.
0: Um, Again, I want to thank uh, Harlan Williams for calling into the Gentleman's Dojo. Always and entertaining. Though, always yeah. entertaining. He has a great podcast, obviously, on this network uh, called The Harlan Highway. I want to thank uh, fraud who has been a huge listener oh, and a you. big, big fan <laughs> for a long, long time, and his first visit into the dojo. That's right. His mom is here as well. Uh, I don't know if she's here as a punishment to him uh, or I'm not too sure what's going on. It's, you know, uh, you guys did come to the show yesterday, which was great. I was so excited to see you guys. Uh, But, um, Thanks again, everybody, for listening, making The Gentleman's Dojo a success. We absolutely love it. Uh, If there's a guest that you want to hear, hit us up on Facebook or Twitter, all that other good stuff. And uh, until next time, thank you guys for listening to another episode of The Gentleman's Dojo, everybody. Hold on as the music plays. Sorry. (laughs) There you go.